You know, it's hard sometimes, getting the time to watch all the best wrestling in the world. There's so much, it's hard to keep track of. I get it. We get it. Here at JFPN, we have a single goal, to put together amazing podcasts that help you find out about the best independent wrestling has to offer, both at home, or on your commute to work, or anywhere. So me and Jay started this podcast as a simple goal in mind. People who want wrestling anywhere can get wrestling anywhere they are. Today is part of our podcast series, match-by-match analysis of Progress Wrestling, one of the premier UK promotions. We also do podcasts about other indie mainstays like AEW, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and soon we'll premiere a new series where we try to showcase the best independent wrestling promotions not under the Vince McMahon banner. We're fairly new to this journey and hope you can join us and enjoy the show. If you do leave a comment or hit us up on Twitter, at Podcast. Oh, and one more thing. We like to have fun here at JFPN. Some elements of this show might be fictional or scripted. I'm sure it'll be pretty obvious when you hear it, but I just enjoy hearing my friend Jay pop for it. Let me take you back in time. Back to London, May 6th, 2019, Alexander Palace. After two gruelling nights of hard-hitting progress wrestling action, with bruised and battered bodies, aching muscles, a tradition gets another anniversary as 16 of the best fought for their place in history. Championship belts were cemented as the mentor of two British legends fell, and legacies were finalised for the love and supremacy of independent wrestling. 16 storytellers from across the globe show us what it takes to become an independent wrestling icon. Tonight, on night 3 of British Strong Style 16, those 16 will be whittled down to one. Four rising female athletes compete in a dance to decide who will hold one of the most prestigious women's belts in the UK, and new alliances will be formed, old enemies will battle once more, and the ultras say goodbye to an old friend. Standing in the corner to my left, a man who is there on the 6th of May in the clammy halls of Alexandra Palace, chanting along with the rest of the independent world, this is progress. It's my ever-present companion, Jay, aka Beard. And in the corner to your right, a man who only wishes he could hop in his Zamboni and drive it through a time vortex to have been there live, it's Rich, 
Bear, that's me, tonight on Prodcast. The final of our three-part series on Super Strong Style 16 culminates in the Hangover Battle Scramble. Two legends of the British scene return to Alexandra Palace to rekindle an old feud. The Progress Woman's title is contested for the first time in five months. A deathmatch legend looks back on his young story career as he heads towards a historic opening night for AEW. And Jordan Devlin, David Starr, Kyle O'Reilly, Travis Banks and Ilja Dragunov battle to become the winner of Super Strong Style 16. It's day three. Everything changes from here. Stick around. It's going to be a great show. Jay, what's going on, man? Hey, Rich. How's it going? So good. So good. What's the what's with that? What's with that Taz and his water? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, he he just really likes it. He he he's just always drank it. It's just the thing that he does. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> hmm. So, Super Strong Style sixteen, day three. Um, what are your thoughts on that? You were there. You were at Alexandra Palace, enjoying all the sights and sounds. Um, any any initial thoughts before we go into our match by match analysis? It's the, the biggest um, crowd feel I've felt at a wrestling event I've ever been to. Yeah. Yeah. Just just really into it, were they? Just absolutely into it. It was it was definitely an experience to have. Really good experience. Oh, wish I had been there. Oh well. Um, we do, Rich. We do. <laughs> Wasteman Challenge, Hangover Scramble. It's a tradition that happens um, on the third day every single year. Um, we start off, we are introduced to Big Wavy Roy Johnson. He enters the ring to a rapturous applause. Um, Roy, at this point, has now been wrestling for four years. His first appearance on an international stage was his match against Pete Dunne in the first round of the 2017 UK tournament. As introduced by Michael Cole at that time, Roy Johnson is a rookie of four years. I've, I've changed the date so that it's you know reflects today. Um, trained by Daryl Allen, um, Jimmy Havoc and others. Of course, he now works for Riptide Wrestling in Brighton, amongst others. Traditionally, he does kick off the Super Strong Style 16 third day. Um, showing his Croydon rapping ability, um, holding an opening rap battle gambit before he then moves into a scramble. His last appearance on Demand Progress was at the previous year's Wasteman Challenge, and the Dark Battle Royal at Hello Wembley was his last live appearance for the promotion. Other than that, he seems to currently be appearing at local events in the UK, saying that he does look like he's put in some heavyweight training since his sub-205 UK tourney appearances um in 2017 jay other than his one shot appearance in the first uk tournament where incidentally he lost to a bitter end in the first round have you caught roy johnson before not really no didn't really rate him when i saw him um but the crowd and the tendency to love him yeah i didn't find anything of note there um but i mean he's obviously well known to the crowd and attendance he's he's got promising basics so what more can you say maybe with a bit more seasoning he may he may be something worth looking out for um very much co- definitely got my skills yeah yeah i mean he's really heavy on the colloquialisms which probably means it would um not maybe play quite as well on the international on the international stage but it Definitely gets a reaction in London. Um, but anyway, stands in the ring, introduces um, the competitors for this rap battle. Um, first one there is, of course, um, DJZ. Um, Jay, what do you know about DJZ? 
Uh, DJZ, um, recent UK NXT signing. No, he's not. It's, it's a recent NXT signing. Um, appeared two days before the recording podcast on June 6th for the NXT uh, tapings. And his name is what, sorry? Uh, uh, oh, now? oh, sorry. Um, yeah, no, you always have trouble with these things. Um, Joaquin <laughs> Wild, apparently, which is obviously spelled J-O-A-Q-I-N-E. Um, probably... All makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's probably one of the veterans in this ring. Um, he has appeared for every non-WWE promotion under the sun so far, um, bursting into the collective consciousness with his appearance at TNA Destination X11, um, which I imagine you probably watched. Um, I did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, I definitely saw that. That was um, yeah, that was where he had the show, actually. Yeah, he had the fatal four way. Um, it was a four star match as Dave, as Dave Meltzer um, rated it. It was against Zima Ion, Jack Evans, and Loki. Um, and there was um, the winning Austin Aries as well. He was under the name Zima Ion at the time, I believe. Um, is that correct? I genuinely. Um, yeah, I would. I would assume so at that time. Yeah. Uh, he changed the name to DJZ when he got with the bromance. Oh, okay. Fair play. Um, his other career highlights... Um, his other career highlights include his win against Trevor Lee at TNA Bound for Glory, and he currently ranked 294 on the PWI 500. His highest position there was the 71st spot in 2013. Um, anything else you can tell me about this guy? Uh, he's a two-time X Division champion. He's also, also a one-time... Uh, Impact, obviously they changed their names, Impact at the time, um, with Andrew Everett. Of course, um, he exited the tourney on the first night, you can hear that in our archives. Um, We've generally done a bit of reading up since we recorded that show, Um, but as I noted on the first night, one of his most distinct qualities is that he has a lovely flashing shirt. (laughs) And a flashing mask. <laughs> yeah, I really like it. I rate it. I don't think you're as into it, but um, uh, yeah, no, it, didn't like it. Really. It reminds but me. It reminds me why. of Daft Punk, um, like kind of well, middle. That would make Daft sense. Punk, so yeah, I'm a big fan, as you know. Um, Artemis Spencer follows down to the ring. He's a rookie. He first appeared for Progress on day four of the Coast to Coast tour back in August of 2018, where he was defeated by Mark Andrews in a fatal four-way. He left the first round to David Starr, um, who has been on fire so far in the tournament. Um, Yeah, any thoughts about Artemis Spencer? Uh, Well, the first time seeing him. um, Of course. He was in the tag team team Lucha three-way the night before as well, wasn't he? Yeah, 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 he was. Uh, Yeah. Artemis Spencer, that guy can go. Um, yeah, he's the defiant um, champion at the moment. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, really promising no, he, for a rookie. He's, he's a, a really good mate game, high-flying skills. Mm. Yeah, definitely promising. Mm. Prospects for the wrestling business. Cool. Um, so next up, we get Chris Brooks, um, five-year. So shall I say that he's a tip tonight or a Tiptonian, do you think? I'm going to give a Tiptonian. Tiptonian. Yeah, I'll go with a Tiptonian. Um, He's not appearing on PWI 500 at the moment. His highest listing was in 2017 as 291. His career highlight is tagging with Travis Banks at an ROH NJPW TV taping in 2017 against the Tate Brothers. He is currently a Rev Pro alumni. 
Yeah, I heard that Chris Brooks is actually finishing up his last dates and he's actually retiring from the business. That's a shame. Any any idea about the story surrounding that or how that came about? I don't actually have any anything to say apart from that, really. Oh, okay. Um, Fair play. Um, I mean, I don't know how how, how old is Chris Brooks? Um, because he he doesn't seem that old. He looks like he's thirty. Yeah, he doesn't strike me as massively old. You can hear me typing in the background because I am going to find out a bit more about Chris Brooks. Um, according to um, ProWrestling.Fandom.com. He was born in 1991, so it seems a little bit strange that he is he is aiming to retire. But I mean, he has a very he has a very peculiar build for a professional wrestler, so it could be related to that. Um, because I imagine that it can wear on the muscles or similar. I, I don't know. I'm just guessing now. This is pure rumor and innuendo, ladies and gentlemen. Rumor and innuendo. Pure rumor and innuendo, that is correct. Um, all of these guys so far, um, bar Big Wavy, have appeared um, on the previous night. However, to the audience's surprise, the f- next contestant or competitor, um, probably a better word because otherwise it sounds like a game show, um, is OJMO. Um, he's a Repro mainstay, last appeared for Progress in December during Unboxing Live. I'm not going to tell you where because that'll ruin the show. And before that, he was a competitor at Hello Wembley. Um, Progress wrestling super show from last year um that we mentioned quite a bit it's a bit of a high bar in in regards to progress wrestling is it not yeah i would say so i would say that is true. yeah we watched um we watched wwe super showdown the other day and i think you're you're scheduled to watch it with a friend <laughs> um and you're just going to replace that with hello wembley on you <laughs> i am gonna replace that with hello wembley i'm gonna be like there's no need to watch this <laughs> yeah it's trash <laughs> You need to watch Hell Wembley. Yeah, no. You want to watch some good wrestling, and this is the show. That's fair. That is absolutely fair. Um, he currently wrestles in Rev Pro under the name Michael Oku, um, or OKU, and was entering day three after an appearance at the Cockpit Theatre. Um, that was a satellite show on the Saturday night um, in London, where he was defeated by Shigahiro Irie. Um, any thoughts on Ojmo in this match? I don't really come back to him very much. Um, I don't think um, in my thoughts um, I mean he wasn't really that much involved um, I mean he had a few spots I guess I can't physically remember it's such a long time ago but yeah he didn't really stick out to me no that's fair um, I mean he, he he did a good rap battle at the start um, fairly fairly well put together he didn't really rap he just cut a promo yeah but it was it was a promo that rhymed so you know that's pretty much the same thing isn't it guess so yeah if you want to say what have been your thoughts on the next competitor, Darby Allen, um, throughout the last few days? Um, well, I mean, with Darby Allen, um, some of the last two nights he fell out of the tournament in round one, um, in this match with Paul Robinson, mm. he is still wearing the half and half face paint, uh, looks between a cross between Justin Rhodes a la AEW. Um, and Papa Shango, uh, he was rated 433rd in the 2018, although recently um, fought his first 4.25 rated match with Brody King in PWG on the 1st of March this year. Uh, so I can see another appearance soon for this Evolve mainstay. Hmm. Um, I mean, I, I, I assume this was kind of your first kind of introduction to him was over these... Over these yeah, years. no, it was. Mm. Um yeah, I mean, seeing him, he's definitely got a lot of potential going forward. Mm. 
Um, this guy obviously has a very hardcore based style, um, Lucha Libre influenced um, style as well. Mm. Um, so it'd be very interesting to watch him in AEW and see where he takes that. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited for his presence in AEW. Um, he's one of those guys. I mean, I just show that tag team scramble to pretty much anybody where he where he does that um, double stomp with a skateboard on someone's back, um, and people are just like, I want to see more of this guy. But his opening match with Chris Brooks as well over this weekend was just like nothing I'd ever seen before. It was it was such a well told story. Um, really excited to see more of Darby Allen, um, especially. Um, with AEW, I think it's a great fit for him as well. Um, a much better fit than NXT or WWE would be at this stage in his career. Um, Connor Mills. Um, yeah, so oh, go on. I'm just going to, especially with the wrestlers that they've played for AEW. I mean, you've got John Moxley, you've got um, Jimmy Havoc, uh, you have that guy with the lizard face, I've forgotten his name. Luchasaurus. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Luchasaurus. Um, it's, it's, it's hard yeah, to forget. Joe Janello, yeah, they all they all do. <laughs> well, you know, it's me, so it's fine. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so they've all got a really hardcore based style. Mm. So yeah, interesting to see what they do with that in AEW. Of course. Um, following that up, um, Connor Mills, he's introduced next. Um, possibly one of the most interesting musics of the weekend, as he only appears on night three. Um, it's just a really interesting choice to have what is effectively kind of ambient indie rock um, for a wrestler. So that kind of automatically puts him into a different into a different um, kind of aesthetic car- category, which is good because he looks fairly generic to me. Um, however, this Progress Undercard mainstay is also known as... Um, Marty Fox in some circles I have been told Um, he has been wrestling since 2017 when he debuted on the June 27th Freedoms Road tapings Um, did you get any chance to see the Freedom Road tapings? Uh, no, I'm I'm wanting to have a look at it at some point. Um, I hear it's a different. I've heard from somebody that it is a slightly different style from um, the majority of the production that they do. Um, and I'd be re- um, like, it's a different format. It's a six-part series, as it were. Um, and I'd just be really interested to see that. So that might be something for us to investigate later, I guess. Um, because yeah. just discovering this progress um, wrestling promotion, um, we're we're amateurs and fairly new to it actually. Um, but yeah, I've, I've my mind's so just really enjoy it. it. Yeah, um, <laughs> so I mean, it, well enough to start a, a dedicated podcast to it at least. Uh, Chris Ridgway is one of my favourites. Um, as we remember, he had a fantastic match with Kyle O'Reilly on night one. Um, this is his last appearance for a while in progress, as he is currently competing in the Noah Global Junior League with partner um, Hotishi Kumano. Um, they currently stand three and two um, in that tag team league there. So I, I really want to get into Noah at some point as well. Um, but I mean, maybe it's now, now's not the time to discuss it. That might be something for our future indie podcast, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's one of the, one of the premier Japanese promotions, just kind of an undercard to New Japan Pro Wrestling really, isn't it? A mixture of both the NJPW and the All Japan styles and competing in that tournament is fairly, fairly prestigious. Um, overall, and he's he definitely needs to be there. Yeah, with his Cassius Cam style, he's going to fit right in. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, Lucky Kid. I I have very little to say about Lucky Kid unless you do. <laughs> no, 
He's lucky kid. He currently works with Fine as a WCPW in progress. We know that already. Um, he was defeated um, by Jordan Devlin on night one, but was on the winning team with Chris Ritty and Darby Allen on night two. And in the Lucha Rules, in the Lucha Rules, uh, I'm sorry, six-man tag that night. But other than that, not don't know much about him. Yeah, uh, fully impressed um, with the, with his appearances. Um, he's definitely got a good ring in, in ability um, to definitely another one with another high flying style. Uh, someone to watch out for, I think. Yeah, I like I like his high flying style. I don't think his gimmick quite matches um, my taste in that. I think he could do it so much better, but at the same time, he does tell fairly compelling stories, and um, he's got an interesting nice yeah, Gallagher walk. Yeah, um, he's got Noel Gallagher. It's, one of the Gallagher's. It reminds me of, um, let's say, a nine-year-old was told to look spooky, but at the same time, um, after seeing some of his work in this match, he kind of has a bit of a um, submissive kind of a submissive relationship with Schadenfreude. Um, which is a stable. Um, some people would say probably the probably the biggest stable on the indie scene, or most important stable on the indie scene at the moment. Um, I haven't seen much of their work, but regardless, he has a submissive relationship to them. He's their whipping boy, as one of his competitors um, and opponents say um, during this during this rap battle. So, oh well, um, I, I suppose that kind of makes sense as to why there's still that childish element to his persona um trevor lee ugh, um really really good heel because pff, i don't like looking at him um, he's um the undercardsman from nxt um gives his usual i don't care about this attitude um 2016 was his highest pwi year he appeared at 61 in the top 500 in 2016 so he could definitely go it's just I'm, I'm pretty sure WWE are forcing him to work on his gimmick at the moment and that's reflected um, certainly Jay anyone stand out at rapping at all um, didn't really care for it um, I guess it was something to get the crowd going but uh, I did enjoy the section where Trevor Lee choked yeah that was fairly fairly good fairly good heel work from him to be fair um at the end of it, Kid Lycos, um, the third member of the Calamari Catch Kings with Chris Brooks <laughs> and Travis Banks. They um, He appears to give an okay pre-written mic piece um, in it. He calls out Chris Ridgway for no showing Defiant and um, Wrestle League shows in 2018 due to a neck injury. Um, that gets a big pop because, of course, he was very sudden with how he did it. He calls out Connor Mills and says that he is no Maverick Mayhew, which is his um, tag partner um, who last appeared with him at Hello Wembley. He states a couple more shows and he will disappear too, um, which um, is exactly the case with him. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Uh, well, that's exactly what happened with... Um, with Maverick Mayhew, but yeah, I'm not quite sure what the background is to that, but I'd be quite interested to to hear all about it. Um, he looks at Trevor Lee and says he doesn't know him that well, um, which obviously is just a bit of a dismiss because he does come back later. Calls Lucky the whipping boy um, of Schadenfreude, as I mentioned earlier. Um, about Trevor Lee, he then goes back. He says, um, big star from the US. His name's Trevor Lee, but I'd rather watch the indies fuck NXT, which is, which is kind of cool. I enjoyed that. Um, Chris Brooks hits Wavy in the head with a baking tray. Obviously, a partner of um, a partner of Kid Lycos, and yeah, it's it's pretty much off to the races. 
what's what's your thoughts on the opening gambits of the match? Any anything you want to interject? Feel free to jump in at any time, Jay. Feel free to jump in any time. Early ends up uh, in the ring with DJ Z. He points to DJ. Uh, so the Claxons. So he gets a far down instead. Uh huh. Okay. I feel that's must be the funniest guy in the show. That's my note you're reading, and yes, yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that section, um, as you can tell by me annotating it out there. Um, yeah, no, a really, really, really funny, funny bit. It paid off the preceding two nights, um, and yeah, I just really enjoyed it. After that, it all gets a bit fun, um, a bit silly. Um, list of high spots in no real order. Any any spring to mind, Jay? Any spring to mind? Um, the only one that I really remember from that night would be the springboard um, from DJZ. Um, um, where he got yeah. flung into the air. Oh, of course. Um, that's probably the moment of the match, actually, in a high spot of the weekend. Um, yeah, um, or one of them. Darby Allen's. Where are we? Where did I put that? Oh, bollocks. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it was actually the end of the match. Sorry. Um, it was a mask. Yeah, yeah, no, it was um, basically the previous night, um, it was two partners. Um, Spencer and Brooks um, he he stands on the middle rope Spencer and Brooks both pull up the middle rope and propel him across the ring now previous night he did a cross body Um, however in this case he was caught um, with a top rope cutter from Mills um, which in my opinion was probably better than any RKO I've seen Um, where would you say it was? What in cutters? Yeah, as far as as far as what cutters and, yeah, yeah. Let's let's make a list. Let's <laughs> let's check it twice and let's let's stick stick some numbers on there. I mean, let's talk stats here. This is a stat heavy show. Well, I would say from seeing that, he was at least number three on cutter scale. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course. Um, I, I can understand that. There's a few other group bits um, as well worth mentioning. There was a chain of head scissors that was a bit comic. Um, really, really kind of cool. Um, if oh, you yeah, know, the, see the, anything the like that. head scissors centipede. Of course, of course. Um, Darby Allen's athleticism was just incredible. Again, um, he, a top rope cross body springboard that, yeah, was just phenomenal in this match um he grabbed artemis he landed on the gaggle from a where's he from australia is it welsh or what it was like what? a welsh fly Spencer. or something yeah Spencer's from um canada oh a canadian fly um and he, and is, he yeah. landed on a gaggle of no less than six men um how did this match feel as a whole overall i mean it's light um, isn't it yeah, it was it was definitely spot spot first, which I did enjoy. Uh, it did get everyone hyped for the rest of the card, so it really did its job. That's fair. Um, Chris Brooks eventually does take it with a double underhook power driver. Um, quite impressive. I can't remember who it was he did it to, but um, could have been any of them. Um, do you think Chris Brooks probably the most deserving at this point, or is it more just a case of sending him off? Could be just a case of sending him off. I mean, he is Jim's mate. Jim did name, give the middle name to his kid after Chris Brooks. So, really? You know, it could be that. Yeah. That's kind of that's kind of interesting. I like that. I like those little bits. Yeah, they're, um, yeah, they're they're all 
friends and stuff. Mm. Fair play. Um, Travis Bank... In the real non-kayfabe world. In the real non-kayfabe world. Um, is there is there yeah. a real non-kayfabe world? I don't know. You tell me. Is, is this kayfabe? Is everything kayfabe? Some of it's jfabe. Um, Travis yeah, Banks. This is definitely jfabe. <laughs> Travis Banks versus Ildra Dragunov versus David Starr as um, a three-way semi-final um of course this is after david Starr and travis banks um came to two no contests in their previous night appearance um and this was made a three-way elimination match um travis banks of course enters first semi-final entry um yeah nxt uk and wwe rosterman 67th on the pwi 500 he's still playing heel because of course we are in progress um jay what are your thoughts on travis banks at the moment Travis Banks is a heel. Travis Banks is a heel is fucking amazing. Yeah. Let's face it. I mean, he comes um, across in the WWE yeah, UK as fairly generic as a face, so I can completely understand where you're coming from with that. Yeah, no, obviously it gives him a whole new element to his character that isn't just a generic face like you just said. Mm. Um, his mic works really good. In-ring work is slightly more um, aggressive um, than you would find on um, NXT UK. Um I mean, overall, I mean, he's been wrestling quite a while, hasn't he? I can't remember how many years, um, but he's definitely a veteran of the game. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly, um, certainly been a while for, been around for a while. Um, I mean, his career highlight at this stage is is considered the um, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla Battle of Los Angeles in 2017. Um, there, he wrestled Mark Haskins on day two in a 3.5 star Mac Classic. Um, he went on to day three where he defeated Marty Skrull and then finished it off by having a four and a quarter star match with Ricochet on the same night so I mean this guy can go um, and now he's facing Bolter <clears throat> for the UK the UK NXT Championship so we'll see where that goes yeah no I'm interested to see where that goes um, I'd love to see him turn heel that would be really nice um, but who knows how he's going to be approached there he's also accompanied to the ring by his partner TK Cooper um, well he's a trainee he wrestles for IPW he and Travis Banks were part of the South Pacific power trip um he looks ready to go um tk cooper feigns falling asleep on the mat whilst waiting for the drums of ilja dragunov to finish um yeah what are your how how's it going with ilja dragunov in your head at the moment are you are you excited to see him move into um nxt uk uh, yeah, I think he's got his first match coming up on TV. I mean, it's been taped ages ago. Uh, yeah. Joseph Connors. Uh, yeah, it was. <clears throat> that should be good. Um, yeah, uh, in this, the crowd are definitely behind uh, Dragunov. Um, 2012 debuted for GWF before becoming the mainstay for a German West Side Extreme wrestling in 2013, where he was a part of a stable called Cerberus. Um, yeah, Cerberus, <laughs> Cerberus. Uh, yeah, they're they're a fairly big um, stable um, in that part of the world um, on uh, and on the European wrestling scene as a whole. Um, not was he not a part of Ring Camp as well? Um, I I haven't seen any records of it to be honest. I don't know whether that's whether he is part of Ring Camp in certain places. I initially thought that was the case, but I don't think he actually has any association with Walter. I think it is mostly um, through this. Um, 
through this Cerberus group who seem to hold a lot of people with incredibly deep Russian sounding names. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, meanwhile, David Starr, he comes to the ring looking very much ready to go. Um, he needs less of an introduction, to be honest. Uh, 247 on the PWI 500 this year. Walks to the ring with Game Face after the previous night's war. Um, he controls the ring as he enters it positions himself really well he moves around banks whilst both men disregard Droganoff. Um it gives the feud extra weight um before the bell rings um it is confirmed of course at this point by jim smallman the head um ring announcer and also owner of progress wrestling that this will be an elimination rules match travis gets a round of booze um and ilja he does look at he, he does look at travis banks when he says that yeah of course no one else. He just looks straight at Travis Banks. Yeah, um, probably, probably um, just to confirm that there will be no disqualifications because that does sound like something that Travis Banks would try and try and piss around with in order to, in order to sort all of it out. Um, I could see Travis Banks using that to manipulate, um, using that kind of ruling to manipulate stuff um, a little bit. So now it makes perfect sense. Um, yeah, Ilja has a lot of support, but David Starr is kind of, um, kind of the top in this match. Um, he reserves his full intro for the final um, as a statement to the other two competitors. He's definitely more over of the three. Um, that's definitely you can hear that in the in the chants, can't you? Oh yeah, no, definitely. Um, it was deafening uh, for David Starr. Yeah. Absolutely, I mean, you see this throughout the night anyway. Later in the night, um, there's a face-off between... Um, well, there's a face-off that leads to a lot of a lot of confetti flying everywhere. Um, the story being told here, obviously, is Travis Banks um, had interrupted a match previously between Starr and Ilja on his return to Progress Wrestling, um, and he's interjecting himself in their ongoing feud, and there's a lot of heat between the three of them as a result. Ilja's technical mat game is on display in the early goings as some excellent reversal wrestling takes place. Uh, I mean, they're, quite, they're fairly fluid, aren't they? Yeah, no, the, the, the way this match went quite fluid. Um, I just didn't expect Dragunov to bounce so, so, so quickly. Um, yeah, I mean, the match was fairly quick altogether, wasn't it? Um I mean, it was yeah. Moving through some high spots of the match, um, uh, Travis and Star they keep trying to go high flying while Drogonov goes for a European MMA style um, striking and modified traditional mat game in the match is a really nice kind of mismatch of styles. The story means that he um, that he with the best match of the two styles will probably win, um, which. You know, kind of makes it obvious who will win eventually if it's Matt Game versus High Flying because there's one all rounder in this ring. Um, so there's an exchange in the middle that leads to a handstand. And what do you think about this clothesline? It's devastating. It's mm. definitely one of the best clotheslines I've seen in a very long time. Well, pretty. I mean, it's up there with JBL. Let's say that. Yeah, I mean, it, I was I was about to say exactly that. It's pretty much up there with um with the clothesline from hell as far as I'm concerned when it comes to how brutal it looks, especially considering how how small he is as well, um, in comparison to someone like JBL, of course. Um, I mean, he, he hears that really well, but then he also sometimes uses it into like a flatliner. Like, mm. yeah, it's a, a devastating uh, manoeuvre to see live as well. 
Hmm. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Um, so, Druganov before, um, well, Druganov basically um, ends up kind of stumbling out the ring. This is after a slice of heaven by um, Travis Banks, um, followed by, uh, do they call it a Banks driver? Is that what they call it? Where it's like, a, it, I know it ends with a driver kind of finish. It's like a Mishinoku driver. Any idea what they call that? I don't know what they call it. We'll just go with Banks Driver. Yeah. We'll do that. Fair play. Um, so, yeah, Druganoff stumbles through the ropes after that, after the two count, um, and what is said to be a Cherry Mint DDT by the commentary team. I've never heard that phrase before in my life um, from start to Banks. That's a DDT, balance through the second rope and onto the apron. Um that leads to a handstand and a two count um, once again. It's interrupted by a penalty kick from Droganoff, um, which probably could have split the net open. It was a really, really heavy penalty kick there. Um, yeah, any thoughts on that? Did you, do you remember this section? Um, no, this is brutal, wasn't it? Just mm. completely, completely brutal. Um, not really much to say on that, really. It was just really well done. Fair play. Let's nip on to the finish then, um, because we've got a lot of a lot of wrestling to go through here. Um, Banks um, Banks gets Druganoff eliminated eventually. Um, a torpedo Moscow to Star was punctuated by a second slice of heaven and a tight roll up. Immediately off the back of that, um, Star and Banks face off. Series of strikes before a Hansen. Um, an assist attempt by TK Cooper, which backfires, leading to. Um, a product placement from David Starr um, onto a onto a distracted Travis Banks, um, which is then bridged into a pin um, that puts Starr in the final. Um, yeah, really. Oh, it's all right. That enjoyed that match. Any any? Yeah, I mean, yeah. For me, it was like a continuation for uh, Banks and also Starr from their match. That's how it felt um, as Dragonoff went out early. But yeah, no, I, I knew Dragunov was going out as soon as he was put into a triple threat. It was the only way to take him out in any one-on-one match. The way he was being booked early on um, saw him rocketing to the finals. So yeah, this was the only way really to get Dragunov out of it. Nah, it makes perfect sense to me, to be honest. Um, thoroughly enjoyed it. One of the highlights for me was a series of coast-to-coast early on in the game. Um, Air New Zealand and Air Russia, as they were called, um, from Banks and Druganoff. Impressive for what I believe to be an 18x18 18 ring. It's about 18x18, 18 18, isn't it? It's not 20x20, 20 20, certainly not. Not 20x20, 20 20, no, no, no. So it's about 18x18. 18 18. It's it's not the smallest ring, but it's it's a fairly beefy ring, but... I, what interests me about the Coast to Coast is that the smaller the ring, the less impact it actually appears to have um, within kayfabe, when ironically it'll probably have more in reality. <laughs> but yeah, no, um, fairly decisive. We'll move on to the second semi, semi-final, unless you have any thoughts about that one. Any further than that? I have no thoughts, no thoughts further than that. But other than it was... A really good triple threat match. Mm. Really good triple elimination threat from triple threat match. Yeah, I feel um, feel they did a lot with the time they had. Maximize their maximize their time basically. Mm. Definitely. Um after this, Jordan Devlin versus Kyle O'Reilly. I'm I'm I want to be the one to um to discuss Kyle O'Reilly, so I'm going to leave Jordan Devlin to you, Jay. Oh. You enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. 
Uh, Jordan Devlin um, introduced first, uh, trained by Finn Balor, as most people probably know. Uh, rather famous his career highlight, at least in the international press, is considered um, his three and a half star match against Finn Balor at NXT UK. Great match. Yeah, really, it. really good. I like that it was a surprise. It was unlisted um, and really well put together by the pair of them. They clearly know each other very well. Student teacher, they're going to know each other, aren't they? Well, exactly. Um, yeah, uh, along with his 2017 and 18 PDW ranks. PWI. The three. Well, I don't know what I'm saying, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> don't know what I'm saying anymore. Uh, being 365 and 453, respectively, his longest match to date uh, is his 23rd minute win against Mark Haskins and OTTs, being the elite in Dublin on Saturday, December the 9th, 2017. Uh, which nested him an OTT No Limits title. Uh, a main event slot at one of the island's biggest show um, that year as well. Uh, the undercard featuring Cody and the books. Yeah, no, it was a good show um, from what I've read. Um, I obviously haven't seen much footage. It wasn't his um, biggest um, show in Ireland that year, um, as he ended up being dragged in for a Monday Night Raw when they signed him um, and just happened to be um, in Ireland at the same time. But, I mean, for an independent in front of, I believe it to be roughly 4,000 people. It's fairly good. Um, definitely one of the biggest shows in Ireland. Um, not too bad. So, yeah, not, not too, too bad, bad at all. Um, Kyle O'Reilly is, of course, his opponent, um, NXT Performance Centre alumni and part of the Undisputed Era faction, of course. Um, Jay, is this one of your favourite factions in wrestling? Right now, yeah, definitely. Fair play. Um, it's, <laughs> because, of, <laughs> because of Kyle O'Reilly's appearance in this, um, it has renewed my appreciation for all of them. Um, he's a 14 year old four of them yeah. can go they, they can go this has been proof and... for me um, has been has been his presence in this really seeing him in that environment has forced me to look up the work of the other guys as well good on you Rich good on you yeah um, it's one of his first um, It's he's a 14 year old veteran 14 year <laughs> veteran sorry um, it's one of his first few non WWE shows in the last two years barring his Evolve appearance on April 4th of this year however um, his career is a who's who of promotions from the last 14 years highlights include numerous 4.5 star matches in NXT as both a singles competitor and a tag team competitor plus several before that including a 4.5 Two five star ranked match with um, his partner. What's his partner's name? Oh, always forget it. Bobby Fish. Bobby Fish. Thank you. Um, against the Young Bucks on day nineteen of G One Climax two thousand and fifteen. His highest ranked match was, of course, his four point seven five star rated match against Kushida that year, um, two thousand and fifteen, on day thirteen of the Best of the Super Juniors. Look out for that one. We will be covering that soon in an upcoming. Um, compilation show where we just talk about great matches um, I'm sure um, how could we not at this stage his PWI ranking is currently 75 as of 2018 um, and his highest ranking was in 2016 when he was considered the 32nd best wrestler in the world by PWI Jay how pleased are you for me to have become a Kyle O'Reilly mark in a month I am ecstatic <laughs> <laughs> I am really happy that you have gone out your way to find more matches about him and, and, and looked up his matches. Yeah, it's it's really good that you're um, putting yourself out there into the indie scene, my friend. Oh, uh, is that me putting myself out there into the indie scene? <laughs> Watching more wrestling, I suppose. <laughs> so. 
<laughs> we get another good start to this match. Um, we get to see some proper floor tie-ups. Um, this seems to be quite common in Kyler Riley's match, from what I matches from what I understand. It's kind of um, it's very kind of Canada, isn't it, to kind of start off with a bit of a with a bit of a map-based kind of lock-up and you know just a bit of a roll around for ten minutes, give each other a good feel out. A bit Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Stu Hart um, and anyone who trained under him pretty much had that, and it seems to have proliferated across to ECCW um, and some of the guys who came out of there, like Kyle O'Reilly, um, because there seems to be quite a few of his matches that do start with kind of a shoot, kind of tussle on the mat. That... Well, yeah, no, that's because that brings back to his catches cam kind of style. Yeah. Uh, that would make, might make it sense for him to have that kind of running through his matches. Yeah, I mean, he keeps it um, map-based. Jordan is more than happy to keep him, um, to meet him there in the early going. Um, the switches and changes, they're a pure, pure pleasure to see as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Devlin causes Carl to break a sweat with some great map-based domination pretty early, which is um, a nice a nice showing considering that it took so long for um, Chris Ridgway, was it, on the first night to um, achieve the same that is right. It was Chris Ridgeway on the first night. Oh, absolutely amazing! Yeah, amazing! Absolutely, match. probably. I was skeptical because they had similar styles, mm. but it worked brilliantly. I mean, later on, I'm going to ask you as we close the show what your favourite match from this weekend was. Um, I'm going for that match. So if you could think of anything else, that'd be great. But I won't blame you if you don't. If I'm honest, because <laughs> it was a really good match. <laughs> Joy the early going. Um, Devlin ends up clutching his stomach, showing the previous day's injuries and the day before kind of mounting up. It's really nice storytelling, especially in regards to him keeping otherwise stum because obviously he tries to he tries to mask his, his fatigue going into this match um, and that's as much a message to the audience as it is kind of a message to the his, his future competitor in David Starr. Did you feel that this accumulated damage angle played well with the live audience overall? It, it did. It did play quite well, to be fair. Um, obviously, it played a big part in in the in the final. Yeah, I mean, it played a big part when in the final. Them, sure. And um, uh, get into that. So yeah, okay, it carried on um, through to the final. The f- yeah, no, when when we saw it, when we saw when I saw it live, and you saw him land the moonsault and then tweak his knee as well. Mm. Obviously, he had knee problems there, and obviously, Kyle O'Reilly was going after that knee and knee barring quite a bit on that knee. Um, so yeah, that created a lot. Yeah, it created a lot of chances, was really quite an interesting point in the match. Um, The match continued um, with Jordan focusing on his mat game as Kyle hits strikes and takes Devlin um, back as the match winds forward. Um, His injured and broken, fatigued body after two intensive tourney matches is making him vulnerable to O'Reilly's striking game. Um, The format then turns to heavy strikes to keep Devlin down. As the match continues, it's revealed that the reason for Devlin's match game early on is to mask his battered body. Um, and it's harder, um, the harder MMA element of O'Reilly's arsenal um, break out. Devlin is no longer able to mask his bad and bruised body. Um, it's clear as a character he doesn't want his potential final opponent, David Starr, to be aware of this problem. But the offence from O'Reilly is leaving this on display for all to say, see. As you mentioned, um, the right knee um, on Devlin is revealed to be a problem and it becomes a focus point for the offence. Um, bit of a shock cutter halfway through the match, um, which is followed by a backcracker. Changes the momentum. Um, very fatigued 
at this point in the tourney. Um, desperation, high impact offense are the only things that are actually working at this stage, like an absolutely beautiful float over Brain Buster, um, which comes out much earlier than you'd expect to take this match into its um, into its second act, as it were. Um, then there is that moon. Yeah, cool. I was going to go into there was the standing Irish Irish fly yeah. uh, from Devlin during a moment um, spirit like fighting spirit momentum he gets his followed up in the air uh, Jordan Moonsault however his knee hyperextends uh, when he attempts to land on his feet looks painful absolutely painful when he does that um, yeah really uh, quite well, a work there yeah really really well put together um, probably the second best fall I've seen in a while. The first, of course, being Paul Heyman's fall at, of course, the Super Showdown. Greatest worked fall in history. Major focus on the leg um, from O'Reilly as he starts to go into full-on heel mode. He becomes mercenary in his attacks um, and he really does kind of exemplify what makes um, the Undisputed Era as a whole works so well as a heel unit. Um, do you think this is like this is one of the first times that it's it's not just I'm Kyle O'Reilly, look at me, I'm from NXT, um, smiley, smiley, happy, happy, look at how good a wrestler I am. This is this, very much this is this is much Kyle O'Reilly. This is what I can do. Yeah, Kyle yeah. O'Reilly, very look much. Look at me. Mm, definitely agree with that. Um, two inscuries followed by an upkick ends up with O'Reilly dazed and falling out of the ring after um, a bit of a hulk-up fake-out. This was where he, he got several inseguris in on the back of Kyle O'Reilly's head and he shook, looked like he was going to hulk and then just fell through the bottom ropes. Um, do you remember this point? I really liked it. Um, it reminded, I did, yeah. Yeah. It, reminded, it was like go on. fighting spirit and then just went outside. Yeah, it was a good combination. Good combination of fighting spirit and, um, of course, the Ric Flair-style pratfall, um, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 because obviously Ric Flair falls forward. He just mm. fell out of the ring. <laughs> really enjoyed it. Um, Moonsault by Devlin. He's running on adrenaline, um, capitalising on the opportunity before a 450. Um Back and forth continues. There's an islands call. Um, positions O'Reilly for a splash near the turnbuckle. Goes for an Air Jordan. That's the name of the moonsault. But he gets caught in a triangle by O'Reilly. Um, this capture of Jordan Devlin um, as he does this moonsault and into that triangle. Beautiful, beautiful piece of positioning from Carlo O'Reilly, isn't it? Yeah, no, this is one of my favourite parts of the match, actually. Um, yeah, you may have seen this a few times, but this this was seamless. This spot um, mm. by these two, uh, you've seen it used quite a bit in NXT. Uh, you've seen it quite a bit um, in ROH um, and even Impact. Uh, but this is the first time I've seen it used so seamlessly. Yeah, I mean, when wrestlers are training for a match with Kyle O'Reilly where that spot's in place, this would be the example that they pull from the library, I think, because there's no better way to do that. Um, definitely. There's a transition into a knee bar on the injured leg. Devlin struggles to his feet while O'Reilly locks it in. He performs a standing crabbed bridge with the knee bar still applied to cover O'Reilly. Um, and it's a shocking moment because he does get a um, victory. 
and it gets a standing ovation from the crowd as well. Um, you remember this spot, obviously, because it was one of the better finishes of the weekend, I imagine. Um, it was. Yeah. Any, any, anything else to add about that? Because it was just, just great, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, you've got to see it to believe it. I mean, it looked like O'Reilly was going to win that match and go through to the final. Um, it was a masterful reverse, let's face it. Um, yeah, I've yeah, never seen anything like it, it Nothing before. expected from that. Never expect that reversal to happen. Um, yeah, it was really well done. The whole match was really well put together. Definitely. I mean, O'Reilly finishes the match looking gutted in the ring. He's shaking his head and frustrated. Um, in his anger, though, he dorks himself around and he shakes Devlin's hand at the end, putting him over in a very strong way going into the final. And obviously, it's great to see an NXT main, well, uh, an NXT star put over an NXT UK star in such a show of respect as well. Um, anything else to add in regards to this? O'Reilly is a master at uh, Cash's Cam Wrestling. Um, his little touches, the way he had been working on the right leg. Um, he caught the right leg from a kick, and he was kneeing the bottom of the, of the knee. Um, I thought that was a really nice touch to that as well. Yeah, I love that. Um, obviously causing more damage. Um, obviously going back to catching that moonsault into the triangle. And yeah, again, the, that reverse was just absolutely masterful. masterful. Um, and the pin, just incredible match altogether. Yeah, um, definitely for a um, semi-final match. Um, very, very tied within the tournament. Um, it's just a great example of really, really good tournament wrestling, I think. Um, the finale, of course, is now known as a result. Uh, it will be David Starr versus Jordan Devlin. Um, before that, however, there is a death match. Um, this will pit Paul Robinson against Jimmy Havoc, of course. Um, for those of you that aren't aware of Paul Robinson, he's a veteran of 15 years, one half of the Swords of Essex with Will Osprey. Um, he went out in night two to Kyle O'Reilly. Um, great gimmick, very much a hard man thug kind of kind of thing going off at the moment. Um, IPW alumni, he's stabled with legends on the scene such as Will Osprey, but also Zack Sabre Jr., Marty Skrull, um, various titles including ACW, IPW, UK World Championship, um, the Swords of Essex with Osprey being his longest title reign. Um, they held both the British Rev Pro Undisputed Tag Title and the FPW Tag Titles for 273 days apiece at separate times. 273 times two separate reigns of tag team titles. Really, really Pretty decent, right, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, just mind-blowing. Um, what are your thoughts on Paul Robinson coming out of this weekend? I know it was probably the first time you saw him and you weren't that used to him. Yeah, to I time. mean, with him being like a 15-year vet, uh, he should be treated as such. Uh, he should be moving into the main event scene. He has a strong heel gimmick. Uh, with his experience as a wrestling deathmatch, you just start looking into wrestling overseas, saying USA or Japan, just to many legacy, or maybe it's had too many asbos. <laughs> Perhaps he does strike me as a bit of a asbo kind of guy. That's why you can't go to US or Japan. But yeah, you should definitely definitely go over there. Yeah, I think if I th possible. I think if <laughs> if not to cement his legacy, then to at least season him for one last great run. 
Um, well, I say last great run. I mean, he's still got still got many years ahead of him, of course. Um, I mean, how how old is Paul Robinson? Um, that is a question I wasn't expecting, but I'm more than happy to research. Let's have a quick gander at my Google machine. Um, boo, 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 boo. Paul Paul Robinson. Google has the answer. It does indeed. Um, he is not a footballer born in 19. 19- so I'm also going to add the word wrestler <laughs> to the end of that. Um, he retired back in 2018, apparently, um, and then came back, um, right. which is interesting. He's actually only 30 years old, um, so he's actually three years younger than us. Makes us feel um, kind of old. He has mixed reviews on the Cage Match database. Um, there's some people who say that he's he's absolutely terrible, but many say that he's insanely underrated. I'm with the latter camp on that. Um, I think yeah. he's yeah, he's brilliant. I, I think absolutely he's fantastic. Brilliant. His heel work is great. It's classic. Yeah, I can see why somebody who maybe is a bit more into their spot heavy showcases might say that he's he's. Um, not as talented a worker as someone like Darby Allen or someone like that, but um, I think I think personally for me that old style um, with a little bit of new mixed in, um, great character work. works really really well. Yeah, really well. Mm. <clears throat> um, Jimmy Havoc um, it is announced that it will be his final match um, at um, this promotion. Um, standing entry for him. Um, everybody on their feet. He appears in all white. Um, this is apparently part of his gimmick. When he appears in all white, um, he gets quite vicious. Um, this is his last appearance for the promotion before his movement to Cody Rose's AEW All Elite Wrestling. Um, since 2004, he was the second longest-running IPW champion of all time, holding the championship for 770 days. Other accolades include... Um, Progress Wrestling Hardcore title for 440 days um, and of course he is the longest reigning Progress Champion holding for 609 days he is currently PWI's 158th best wrestler in the world if you haven't seen this guy you need to see him particularly in a hardcore setting um, Jay when do you what, what? Even not, in a, not even in a hardcore setting you can put on a really good solid wrestling match oh yeah definitely definitely um when was the first time you experienced him um like uh, live or or even even on tv to be fair the first time i really experienced him have it was on impact oh, okay um, yeah. um but then with that um the first two times i saw on impact it was basically the same match but the spots were reversed as in so, reversed from one guy to another, or just in back backwards. So basically, the spots that he performed on someone else, he had been took on the next time he was there. So it was basically the same match, but just switched round. Oh, okay, um, kind of almost, almost like um, a weird southern, um, southern style, old school kind of back and forth kind of series, as it were. Yeah, I guess so. But it was still kind of the same match. Um, so from that, I wasn't too high on him. Oh, okay. uh, but then I think I experienced a, a different match that I can't remember um, at this point um, <laughs> where I thought that he definitely had the capability to obviously be a really big wrestler, not knowing that he had been uh, the Progress Champion for that long. It's, it's funny though because um, the Progress Wrestling Championship used to be a staff with the Progress Bird on it. 
Um, yeah. That used to be the championship. And then as soon as Jimmy Havoc got it, apparently, when he was holding it, it was being labeled as a natty um, kind of staff. Um, so they had to change switch it to a title because it was getting bad press. Something oh, I like see. That, that sounds... Um... That sounds quite interesting. I would be. Um, I will look into that. That's that's quite bizarre. Um, bit of a bit of a weird weird kind of thing to happen. I'll I'll, I'll look into the archive in regards to that at some point. Um, Paul Robinson. Um, well, Havoc. He gets announced as his final match. Progress. That's officially announced. Um, the ring is littered with tickers and streamers at that point. The, the audience are way behind Havoc at this stage. Oh, well, they're going to be, aren't they, really? Mm. But, um, yeah, Paul Robinson, when he came out, mm. he was hyped up uh, on the way to ring. You see men preparing himself for the carnage that was about to happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear he was introduced. I didn't. I, I was too busy watching Havoc, so I obviously missed that. He was definitely, he was definitely introduced. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um, the face down in the ring, um, Robinson gives it the vocal treatment while Havoc just stands still. He's he's drinking in that moment, and it's a nice work to start off this match. Um, the history of these two is communicated really well by the commentary team. Um, they do know each other really, really well. Um, they've worked as partners in um, the Regression Faction as well as opponents throughout their careers. This is kind of the Cactus versus Funk of UK wrestling. Um, it's progress style, but very much kind of that level of that level of death match, isn't it? Yeah, two, two no. athletes who know each other, you know really well and just throw it down yeah. let's face it um, so the two go outside and immediately a staple gun comes out it seems to be a mainstay with both Jimmy Havoc and Paul Robinson when they are fighting this type of match um, Havoc gets a 20 pound note stapled to his face um, and then gets a fluorescent light tube to the face um, as well um, pretty quickly Havoc is wide open he headbutts um, it intentionally and eats the light tube as he after he has wrestled it from Paul Robinson. Um, interesting, interesting moment. Obviously, he wants to get one last you sick fuck moment from um, the audience there. Yeah, definitely. But for someone coming back from blood poisoning, he really doesn't give a shit. It's it's off the art and craft of the death match. And when I say craft. There was a twenty-pound collage on his face, so <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's 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 a statement to make, isn't it? Um, but yeah, yeah. Who who could blame? Who could blame them for? Yeah. Um, color pretty much spreads to Robinson as well. He clarets all over the place, and then Jimmy squeezes lemon juice onto Robinson's open <laughs> wound. <laughs> Not just a little bit, half a lemon. Yeah, just yeah. squeezing all of that juice. Yeah, um, onto his cut. That it, is gonna burn. Yeah, that is, that is gonna. Commented by the commentary I mean, team um, that Robinson says that that is the hardest thing to take in any death match is actually the lemon juice, which I imagine is probably true. If you've ever got lemon juice in a paper cut, it is fucking horrible. I can't say that I have, but I imagine it stings quite a bit. Yeah, it does a little bit, especially if it's one of those between the fingers. Um, speaking of paper cuts, how's that for a transition? Um, the match moves into that British style with the paper cuts across the fingers um, from a business card. A pile driver from the apron through a table on the floor. That was fucking vicious. What were your thoughts on that bit? 
absolutely brutal. I mean, I would have been standing on the other side of the ring, so I would have seen um, Jimmy Havoc jump off the apron, but not quite seen yeah. it go through the table. But yeah, no, absolutely brutal. Absolutely mm. brutal watching it back. Yeah, um, it's not a bump that anyone within the WWE will be allowed to take today. Um, shortly after this, Jimmy Havoc gets out a chair from under the ring and then a bucket and pours it onto the open chair. It is revealed to be absolutely full to the brim of drawing pins or thumbtacks, whatever you want to call it, depending on what your own colloquialism of choice is. Paul Robinson punches Havoc onto the chair um, and he just sits down on it. Well, that's good to say, isn't it? I mean, hmm. all those pins in your bum. Let's let's think about that for a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Paul Robinson pays homage to his tag partner, uh, Will Ospreay, attempting the Oscar cutter, which is then a reverse the burning hammer onto the chair of pins, and then Havoc hits the Oscar cutter on Robinson. Yeah, one hell of a um, one hell of a moment. Uh, is followed shortly after that by a light tube rainmaker attempt um, springboard from Paul Robinson diving headbutt off the top rope through a light tube. What in the actual fuck? I mean, I I very rarely see light tubes used in matches, but I mean they're full of something. Um, I Jay, you were there. Remember this moment? Thoughts on seeing light tubes as well, live and in person, used in such a vicious manner? I was definitely there uh it was one of the most insane moments i've seen live in the ring to date nothing has come to that moment come close to that moment um yeah, yeah never seen that before live yeah, yeah. hops like a bastard yeah, I can imagine you did, to be honest. Um, not to ruin this match for our listeners um, completely, but you get to see thumbtacks, light tube slams, baking trays, blood everywhere, and of course, lots of lemon juice. Probably not the most impact-heavy hardcore match ever, but one of the sickest you might ever watch. Jay, one of the sickest you've seen? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it was well put together. Um, the, whole, the whole thing's very well put together. I keep saying that. It's, it's, <laughs> it's just one of the... This best three days of wrestling I've ever been a part of. 100% um, on that one. Um, I mean, I have only watched it by remote. We should but... um, we should make a trip to London, Rich. We should um, go to Natural Progression, Rich. Uh. We we <laughs> probably should go to something. Um, natural Progression, maybe. Um, definitely, if we do go to London, we will cover it on here. And if we don't go to London, still going to cover it on here. Still going to cover it here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, still happening. Um, at the end... It, Paul Robinson pulls out a light tube covered table. Um, it's uh, he's got five light tubes. They are strapped on to the table at a forty-five degree angle, um, and then performs a top rope hurricane rana through said table and follows it up with multiple unprotected headshots with a chair. There is blood fucking everywhere, and then he tops it off with a curb stomp into a fucking light tube. Paul Robinson wins. Um, great to see Jimmy Havoc put him over, obviously, but whew, brutal. Um, if you like your hardcore death matches, or if you just like this kind of stuff, you need to go out of your way to see this, especially if you do have the Progress app. Um, we we are not paid if by If you do Progress. have the Progress app, why haven't you watched it yet? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's, if you it's haven't watched simple. it, watch it right now. That's simple. It's absolutely insane. 
Yeah, no, it is that simple. Um, yeah, I mean, we are it's not paid by progress to be putting these guys over. We 599. Just like 599. Just 599. Just 599. Um, regardless, um, <laughs> Paul Robinson um, leaves the ring to Havoc to take a brow. Um, Jim Smallman goes to talk to him. We get a um, tribute compilation detailing everything he's done for Progress Wrestling. It's a fantastically edited package. Um, I imagine there wasn't a dry eye in the house, including yours, Jay. Blubbed like a baby. I, I, I wasn't crying. I, I oh, he's, wasn't crying. He, he says that, but he's but really emotional. He, he likes to wear it on People next to me were crying. But yeah. I, I definitely wasn't crying. Okay, okay. Just something <laughs> in your eye. Some of the lemon juice had obviously <laughs> splattered off. Um, yeah. <laughs> the level of respect Progress has for this man, um, Jim Smallman in particular, seems genuinely grateful to him as a performer for what he's done. Um, he gets the mic as an outro, cuts a deep promo. Really good moment. I like seeing when... <laughs> it wasn't deep. It was funny. It was very funny. Yeah, it was I mean, funny. he said all his yeah. thank yous and stuff like that, but he did it, he did it in, his, in his own Jimmy Havoc kind of way deep kind of promo, I guess. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was just—it's just nice to see a company show respect for somebody who's leaving it onto greener pastures. Um, and what yeah. was it he said? He was like, "I'm going to burn all my bridges," but now you've—you've you've just made a really nice video package for me, you dickhead. Yeah, basically. <laughs> but no, I liked it. I liked it. Um, probably the most brutal death match I've seen outside of the weird Japanese shit Jay watches on YouTube for a while. Um, they Jay. cut themselves with they cut themselves on the chest with knives. Like like, what the hell was that? That's just self mutilation. We will of <laughs> course be talking. There was a gun one time. Yeah. <laughs> We will, of course, be talking about all of this for our Halloween Spectacular Month um, when we do our Deathmatch special. Um, that's that's something that I've literally just came up with on the spot. Jay, will you agree to do a Deathmatch special with me and explore the hardcore world of Deathmatches over in October? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. BJW. Yeah, we'll do it, we'll this do it. Or BJW. It Jimmy Howard's be... got something from BJW as well. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds yeah, good to me. Um, I a, assume that stands for Blowjob Wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it does, anyway. Um, two of the best death matches Big in Japan the world. Japan Wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> um, two of the best death matches in the world, you reckon? Um, two of the best? I don't know. Um, I'll have to dive into the archives of death matches to really say two of the best, but I do think they're two of the best in England. Sure. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, so there's then a short break, and um, the next match is, of course, the Progress Wrestling Tag Team Championship match, um, which will pit um, Aussie Open, um, the current Progress Tag Team ch- Champions, um, against Aerostar and Daga. Um, for those of you not familiar with Aerostar and Daga, we do talk about them in episode one and two of Progcast. Um, Aerostar is a Mexican independent wrestler, very much a territory style attraction. Um, he has had a few forays into mainstream independent wrestling, uh, Western wrestling. However, um, other than featuring last year on Impact and this year on MLW. MLW. M-L-W. One of Jay's, one of Jay's favourite promotions, actually. Um, <laughs> where would you put it, MLW? You're a big fan of MLW, aren't you? Yeah, it's, it's a great hours worth of TV. Not too great much, not worth. too little. 
exactly. It's just just the right thing to watch when you come home from work, I think. Hmm. Um, Aerostar. Put it on, on a Monday. Sorted. Cool. I will look out for it. Um, <laughs> Aerostar <laughs> has been wrestling since 2002. Um, he has held no real notable titles um, that a Western audience would know. I would imagine it's probably a lot of independent titles with unpronounceable names. Um, Darga um, is also a Mexican wrestler. He does do Lucha Star, but he does not have a mask. Um, he dropped out of Super Strong Style 16 in the first round, um, as in lost, not just dropped out. Um, had a good match with Aerostar on night two. It was ranked, um, He was not ranked on PWI this year. However, he has previously reached the heights of 149. Um, thoughts on these two guys? Aerostar uh, can do some unimaginable things in the ring. Um, yeah, he's he's definitely up there with, with Phoenix. Phoenix, if you want to call him Phoenix. Probably his real name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, uh, yeah if, if there hasn't been a match with those two, I think I said it before, I would definitely want to see that. Uh, Darga, Darga's definitely got a strong style influence into his uh, lucha style. Um, I suppose that's working at Dragon Gate. Um, but yeah, no, I was fully impressed with seeing both of these live. Um, absolutely awesome. Aussie Open, we have spoken before. Um, at high length on this show previously. The two became tag team champs at Hello Wembley. Very popular second reign at the moment after defeating Chris Brooks and Lucky Kid in February this year. They previously won the titles in a, I think it was a 16 match in um, at Hello Wembley. I think you've seen that show. Yeah, yeah, I have seen that show. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it's called a, what was the second match called? It wasn't called a clusterfuck tag team match. <laughs> it was called. Oh, well, I forgot what it's called now. Um, oh, well. Bastard something, something. Oh, Thunder Bastard. Thunder Bastard, there we go. Yeah, yeah the Thunder, Thunder Bastard, tag Thunder team Bastard match. is the a. Thunder Bastard is a series of tag team matches um, that has been going on for a few years, and they like to have a big, a big rock with all of the competitors. It's like a tag team league that um, goes on um, seasonally. And um, the tag teams who win it end up fighting for the title um, or end up being the champions, depending on what's going on in storyline at the time. Um, Aussie Open, thoughts on them? Good tag team. I like them. Yeah. They are Australian. (laughs) (laughs) And very open. Um, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, they are. Australian and very open. Um, like the tennis. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, Kyle Fletcher, big future for him. Yeah. Mark Davis is probably going to be the genetic of the team. That's fair. Um, That's I to mean, say. Kyle, um, Kyle but... Fletcher has that has that look and feel of somebody who you know in 10 years' time is just going to be huge, doesn't he? He is going to get that it factor. He's just needs, I think, probably to get a bit more mic time or work on his promos, and he will be a full package. Yeah, um, a little bit more seasoning with some different style, styles, but that's about it. I'm, I'm with you on that one. Um, 
course, there's a handshake before the bell rings. Um, Darga stumbles fairly early, but soon gets into a great rhythm against Kyle Fletcher. Um, a bit of back and forth between the two. Nicely paced as this is their second meeting now over this weekend. Um, Aerostar tags in against Davis. Um, great crowd interaction as he cartwheels around the ring. And then we get um, a fairly mighty flip off between the two of them as they both kind of flip around the ring um, in concert with each other. Aerostar eventually wins it, um, does various um, front flips in a circle around the ring um, and then gets a face shot for his trouble. Um, the flow from Daga and Aerostar is fairly impressive considering their lack of knowledge of each other. Um, whether that's kayfabe or not, I couldn't tell you because what happens on the Mexican indie scene stays on the Mexican indie scene. At least that's what that barman told me. Um, quite a spot-heavy match. <laughs> so rather than going through the entire structure, Jay, um, highlights that kind of jumped out to you. Uh, yeah, I mean, early on, um, Dargo Electric cheers his own partner, Aerostar, uh, into a center onto Fletcher, which follows up with a standing kind of twisting moonsault. It looks like it was about to twist, but he ended up landing it. Uh, it looked pretty, pretty brutal. I use brutal a lot in uh, Super yeah. Strong Star because most spot. things are fucking brutal. <laughs> yeah, absolutely love this spot. Really came across well. Um, there was a rolling cutter later on from Aerostar that I went out of my way to know. Um, springboard moonsault and springboards off of a Davis. Um, really, really nice it section. And then Darga into a full Nelson on Fletcher, lifts him up, drops his arms down to a snap German suplex and follows up with a reverse Rana. Yeah, I love that spot as well. It was was definitely spiked his head straight onto the canvas, didn't it? It did, yeah. I mean, that's no give on that one. Yeah, I wouldn't have wanted to take it. I'm surprised people don't break their necks doing reverse Ranas. I would love to know how they don't. Uh, There was a top rope Rana, uh, but uh, Darga on Fletcher and Aerostar follows up with a senton from the top rope. Yep, um, there's so, a go on. Decent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there was an amazing double flatliner as well um, from um, Dunkzilla, um, as he is apparently known, um, which is, of course, Davis. Davis, yeah. Thank you very yes. much for um, That's right. that no problem. for me. Um, That's right. <laughs> it's a pretty fast exhibition style affair. Definitely worth going out of your way to kind of take a gander at. Good technical wrestling um, to round off a fatigued audience and get them into the final event after that break. Um, there were some spots where it was clear that um, whatever was supposed to be happening wasn't necessarily perfectly communicated to the two Mexican stars. I did enjoy it but I would go so far as to say that this was probably the weakest weakest match of the weekend so far. Um, ends on a fidget spinner um, from, of course, Aussie Open. Um, any? Would you agree with that? Would you say it's one of the weaker matches of the... Of the... Um, I mean, it was one of the shortest matches. Mm. Of, well, not... Yeah, it was, actually. Yeah, one of the shortest matches. I still think it was... I think they maximised their time. I wouldn't say that... It was a weak link of the weekend. Um, I'm I'm not saying it's a weak link of the weekend. It certainly belonged on that card. I suppose what I'm saying is if I put every match at the kind of three and a half or above kind of star rating, then this would be the one that was just slightly below that, if that makes sense Mm, for me. Yeah, no, no, I guess that makes sense, but Mm. still rather enjoyable all the same. Better than anything on Super Showdown. 
anything's better than Super Showdown, Rich. Anything. <laughs> uh, the whole thing. Equivalent to nightmare. or better than WrestleMania. Um, <laughs> um, after this match, of course, Flash Morgan Webster and Wild Boar Mike Hinchman do a run-in. They attack the champions, healed up, they steal the tag belts as fans stick their fingers up at them. Um, it's an interesting finish to this, I feel. Um, the two are followed beyond Gorilla, and it's nice to see the backstage area, even if briefly, especially at an indie show where that isn't always something that is um, that is followed up into. Um, they cut a promo at that point straight to the camera. No shot breaks between them leaving the arena and um, jumping straight into a van and hightailing it out of there, holding the titles. I really enjoyed this spot. It added variety um, and a bit of gravitas to the entire thing. I felt it was really well put together. Gave this segment a really nice feel, and I'd love to see more of this um, from Progress as well. It kind of just put them onto, put them more onto that Attitude Era kind of level um, where anything could happen. Any thoughts on that? Did you ever like this spot? How did how did it go over in the in the in the Beard household? In the Beard household. I nearly called it Beard Palace. Huh. That would be better. <laughs> I wish I did. Uh, no. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I keep saying that as well. Um, yeah. yeah. Quite it happy was, with yeah, the spot. Great though. spot. Yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah, um, obviously going through, it played on the, on the, on the, um, on the big screen as they were going through, so everyone saw what was happening. Mm. Um, so yeah, we we all saw that as it as it happened. Nice. Um, so Nina Samuels um, kicks off the next section. This is the woman's fatal four way for the championship. Um, she's an NXT alumni. You may have seen her. Um, she's currently on the back of um, an NXT UK taping loss to Tony Storm. She has been wrestling since 2017. Jay, what do you think, given what you've seen of her on the NXT UK brand? Any thoughts about Nina Samuels? Nina Samuels has got a really good basis as a wrestler. She's more map-based. Mm. Um, she likes to use slams and also suplex, which I like to see. So she brings a different element to a women's division, or any women's division in general. Um... Yeah, no, um, I think she's got a bright future um, in the rest of business. Cool. Um, Millie McKenzie follows this up. She's NXT UK again. Um, good luck. Um, she's done appearances for Shikara and Defiant, former Defiant Women's Champion. She lost the title to B Priestley in June of 2018. <clears throat> um, I I hadn't seen a wrestle before this, before this match, if I'm honest. Um, yeah, I have. Um, only on NXT UK. Mm. But more of a high flyer. She's got the build for it, but yeah. That's interesting. Uses... Her her image is more like um, Diet Ronda Rousey. Diet Ronda Rousey. Yeah. Yeah, she definitely doesn't have an MMA background or anything. No, um, but she's dressing like she does. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, she just dressed like she does. Third, of course, is my favourite um, of the um, Progress Wrestling Women. Um, it is, of course, the one-woman hen night session moth Martina. Um, I love her work um, in the, from the previous night, which is the only time I've seen her. Um, really well put together. She is a five-year veteran of the professional scene. She can, worked... you, can you 
Really call her a veteran if she's only five years. I would say she's more of an upcoming rookie. She's a five-year rookie of the professional scene. She has <laughs> worked bar wrestling um, beyond RevPro and Shimmer. I will mention that in this ring, she is one of the veterans. Um, over the top is her most prominent place. Um, that's over the top wrestling, of course. Session Moff. I mean, I think you've you've only you only saw her the night before. Is that right? Yeah, never really seen it before. Um, uh, the match with Jenny uh, when is Ginny was it okay. Mm-hmm. It was all right. Um, she definitely was the one that shone through on that one. Um, yeah, don't know too much about her to be honest with you. Um, I need to see more matches. Yeah, I I really I do. To see where she goes with it because she seems to have a lot of fans behind her and she seems to be having a good time with those cans. Yep, um, and of ring. course, by that you mean the cans of beer um, that she brings cans to of the beer. ring. Um, yep, of course, um, you straight bastard. Um, <laughs> Jordan Grace enters as the champion, and she's actually the veteran of the free, to correct myself. Um, she's worked for Smash CZW Impact, of course, her <laughs> most of note. <laughs> moment in popular wrestling press was her appearance in the all in over the budget battle royal last year you were laughing there jay it just sounds weird saying czw i know i know i keep saying czw and then i sound weird but if i say czw it sounds weird so as english people we cannot win with that czw Mm. just sounds weird doesn't it ecw i get it i get what they're doing but come on CZW. Have you seen? Have you seen the barbed wire trampoline? <laughs> what? Yeah, exactly. Tell me about the barbed they... wire trampoline. <laughs> <laughs> they do spots into a barbed wire trampoline. So, say they do a suplex into a bob, uh, like a from a, like a platform, do a superplex into a barbed wire trampoline. They hit the barbed wire. They bounce up and come back down onto the barbed wire. It's fucked up that sounds really fucked up <laughs> and then they've got to roll over the wire to get off said trampoline wow um okay this sounds kind of cool <laughs> i'm into it i can dig i can dig um so <laughs> she gets mic time of course does jordan grace um she apologizes to the audience for a five month absence um before calling them all fucking marks, um, she mentions they spelt her name wrong on the flyers. Um, of course, um, this causes people to chant Jordan Grass, um, which I believe <laughs> is what they what they printed it as. Um, yeah, yeah. That she then, yeah, she <laughs> then chats shit um, and does not get banged. Um, she calls Nina a stick figure, Millie a sellout, and Moth a joke. Um, and then to cement her place as obviously the serious woman's wrestler of the group, she then immediately enters into a cat fight on the floor, hair pulling match with Moth. Um, so great heel work, really. That's all I can say about that. She has that Nia Jax quality. Um, 
in that her build is not dissimilar to a brick fucking wall. Um, the match between the two of them seems to be the match people want to see. That's her and Session Moth, of course. Um, not many high spots, though, in this in this fairly short match. I think they may have been struggling for time. Um, any Anything really strike you in this piece? <laughs> Sorry, I have a dog next to me and he's dreaming and barking at the same time. Oh, bless him. <laughs> oh, that sounds so cute. Oh. <laughs> Slightly distracted. Um, no, it's okay. Yeah, no, just stroke the his head and tell cradle, cradle bomb again from um, Moss. It is always good to see. Mm. Uh, uh, apparently, she just added that to her arsenal, um, according to the commentators. Yeah, fairly, fairly good spot. Um, Samuel's held the rope open at one point with her legs by kind of crossing them and she she propped herself up on the top rope she held her legs apart kind of shoulder let the shoulder width apart um and then allowed Mackenzie to dive through between um the second rope that she was standing on and the third rope um straight onto um straight onto someone who was stood outside um <laughs> a great slingshot from Nina followed it um session climbed to the top rope did a senton onto all three of them great stuff great four piece spot fest um only other thing that really does kind of grab me a bit was the um, Mahi Stroll driver from session moff um all three of the women Which is what I was talking about yes that was the one um. But um, Session Moth does come across strong uh, because, you know what? She's awesome. Yeah. However, this match was really short, like you said. Yeah, really, really fucking short. But no, Session Moth, I really like the character work. I really like her as a character. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely something to She will for. probably end up taking the title from Jordan uh, Grace, uh, Grace and Grace Grasson. Yeah. <clears throat> At some point. <laughs> yeah. In, another five months, but, but probably. <laughs> um yeah and that is that kind of wraps it up barring the final of course um all in all what did you think to this four-way women's gambit thing <laughs> better four-way women's four-way dance gambit four yeah. four for all um guess what i thoroughly enjoyed it <laughs> <laughs> jay you don't ever change um <laughs> <laughs> In the final, of course, we get Jordan Devlin versus David Starr. Jordan Devlin looks ready to compete. I get the impression his injuries and knackeredness are starting to show. Um... I mean, I will point out that when he walked down to the room, he was fine. And then he went to the corner, the referee went over to him. And he started playing with his knee. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah, got an injury. Ah, I forgot about yeah. that. <laughs> so very so, so very subtle there. Um, yeah, well, you know, he's, he's had a knacker in a few days, to be fair to him. Let's let him off that one. Um, because he's absolutely great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure David, you're enjoying that one. <laughs> yeah, I really was. I really was. Um, David Starr enters with full game face on. He looks ready for it. Um, and the two face down in the ring. He gets announced in full that time. Jay, do you want to do David Starr's full announcement for me? Just to remind me what it is. <clears throat> well, I think it goes something like something. There's definitely, he's good at Twitter. Yeah, he's a circumcised saviour. Yeah. And Ooh, he's really good at Twitter. 
<laughs> yeah, it's a long announcement. Um, the I independent for... David Starr. I got a few in there. Yeah, and no, he's the main um... event. Yeah, I've nearly got it. I get it. Next time, have it. Have it down. Fair play. Um... <laughs> got a few in there. <laughs> yeah, no, you didn't do too bad. Um... <laughs> of Cheers, course, mate. what you what you are referring to is his intro, um, where um, he mentions that. David Starr is the cream in your coffee, your favourite wrestler's favourite wrestler, the Jewish canon, the physical embodiment of charisma, the Bernie Sanders of professional wrestling, the most entertaining man in professional wrestling, Mr. Americana, um, Davey Wrestling, the 104-minute man, the main event, he's really good at Twitter, the king of taunts, the product, David Starr. Um, but, I mean, your, your, yours was good too. Um, you, you definitely missed out the circumcised saviour. And also, he's really good at Twitter and the independent David Starr. Well, maybe they've changed it since um, since since I saw it. And I didn't just On read Wiki. someone else's list. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sometimes the fact that I'm armed with a PC doesn't work to your advantage, does it? Not really. No. Just <laughs> buy one of those laptop things that everyone's got. I have heard that they are all the rage. <laughs> or a tablet or something like that. Um, have... Yeah, that would probably be a good idea. Regardless, <laughs> regardless, let's let's move forward. Let's move forward and just deal with Jay's technical ineptness. Um David Starr um <laughs> David Cheers, Starr looks ready. Um the fans are behind him. Um, it's been nine and a half hours um, of pure wrestling to reach this match over the weekend. The fans are definitely still psyched up, um, and David Starr gets absolutely covered in streamers when he is announced. Um, the collar and elbow tie-up begins. Devlin's injuries from earlier in the night seem to be shaken out at the start of the match, at least. He's obviously done a bit of a warm-up routine. Um, the two face each other, and the chants are louder than the commentators can get into their headsets. Really, really dedicated ultras. Chanting is insane. Jay, do you remember this chant? Do you remember the, the David Starr, Jordan Devlin, back and forth chants that echoed throughout Alexander Palace that night? This was the loudest chant of the weekend. It, it sounds and like you it could not help but get involved. It, yeah. it was, yeah, much better than watching a WWE live event, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> well... I've had colonoscopies that have been better than WWE live events. Um, <coughs> pin <laughs> attempts um, happen early, fast-paced, bridging out from Star as the two counter-wrestle each other. Um, this is one of the hardest matches um, I've ever had to note because it's so fast. It is beautifully balanced as the two come um, to each other. We get to hear from our commentators that Jordan Devlin is of course 4-0 and against David Starr. Um, it shows Devlin's confidence um, as a shoulder tackle attempt from Starr gets a nice confident no-sell from Devlin. Devlin smiles and makes a comment to Starr, so Starr just hits him in the leg and Jordan drops like a sack of potatoes. Was very, very outside. good. Yeah, the psychology was fantastically placed. Um, the statement from Devlin is, I'm at full st strength and you've never pinned me. Star's repost is, I've seen the tape and I know you're weak. Um, and it was just a really nice moment. Do you like the ring psychology there, Jay? Oh, yeah, no, the psychology of this match is... Yeah, 
is absolutely brilliant. It's tournament really wrestling it. is best, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, Devlin, no, it's obviously telling yeah. the story from Devlin um, having these injuries, head trauma um, from the first match, um, and then obviously in the last match with his knee. Um, mm. This all comes to fruition in this match. Um, yeah, yeah I mean, no, it's really well told. What's so great about it is that it's one of those evergreen moments that co- that will probably um, come into play next year if Devlin is still able to compete next year um, in this thing, and that's that's great because you know that just almost made it, but just couldn't quite hack it. You could have um, Devlin versus David Starr in the first round. That would be that would be ideal, um, if I'm honest. Um, Devlin ends up being smacked out of the ring. Of course, he gets off a back in by David Starr, who has never been on a roll like this um, across several nights, um, especially not against Devlin. It's not Devlin is heel, it's that Star is the favourite by far. Um, yeah. Devlin, <coughs> Devlin Yeah, starts, David Starr's yeah. Been, a, been a massive favourite throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Um, um, he's, yeah. He's on a roll he, at the moment in his career, isn't he? In the career, in the UK, and just taken over, is what he's yeah. doing. Um. Devlin starts limping earlier on. Star starts working heavily on the leg. Um, Devlin does eventually ground Star and works on the head. He goes for his second Air Jordan standing moonsault um, as he went for one earlier, but in this case it gets both knees up by Star. Um, yeah, the, the back and forth between these guys you could talk about all day, really, couldn't you? Um, I suppose the real... Yeah, go on. No, 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 yeah, I was going to agree with you. Yeah, you yeah. could talk about it all day. The real question is whether David Starr um, can finally get the momentum to topple Devlin. Starr captures the arms, goes for a trapped arm Bob Fossil pile driver, but a series of reverses lead to the meat hook. Um, and of course, um, that kind of changes the momentum in um, the match as a whole. Really, really interesting. Liked it. Star ends up to the outside. Devlin starts waiting for the countout. However, eventually, after he realizes that the countout's happening, he realizes he probably shouldn't try and win via countout at Super Strong Style 16. So he caves into his conscience. He gets out the ring. Um, really good character work. Um, just moves him away um, from kind of heel work and just kind of moves him more into this determined kind of mindset. Um, do, do you remember this spot? It's it's again a yeah no he could have he could have clearly won by count um, he could yeah. have just took it but um yeah it got to eight and he went to the other side of the ring rolled out limping at the same time and then we straight after David Starr yeah uh, but yeah he could have won it just there and then really really good um character heel work um cradle once in the ring from a possuming star um and then a super kick to the head from Devlin at this point the two kind of struggle back to their feet and they um both meet. In a boxing stance, Devlin goes into boxing mode. He pummels Star. It's a great reference to his fighting Irishman namesake. That's a wrestler who appeared in a 1977 tape I saw once um, from the then brand new electric ballroom in Camden. But that was a different lifetime. So distant, yet so close. The two brawl to the top rope. Where does that noise come from? What noise? 
So the two brawls, the top rope, the top rope Irish Fly from Devlin uh, gets a standing ovation and two count. Uh, series of the fourth leads to a reverse Blackheart Buster onto the knee from Devlin to Devlin or from Devlin. Uh, these two are hitting some truly innovative slams and moves. Um, yeah, back and forth. Irish Fly in the ring as well. Um, both collapse after some of the most brutal back and forth offensive maneuvers of the weekend. Brings Alexander. What a maneuver! What a maneuver! Um, Alexander Palace um, are to their feet chanting, This is progress. It's great to hear that chant. Um, on the final night in the final match and it really is a great definition as to what makes this this promotion so great I suppose. Um, they fall onto each other and it almost causes a three count as Devlin lands on top of Star. Shade of the three stages of hell finish you remember that finish from um, Stone Cold Steve Austin and um, of course Triple H. I think as it was actually a work on a dusty finish from back in the 80s but yeah, no. Um, Considering I've recently watched the three stages of the whole match, I do not remember. <laughs> you really don't? Oh, fair play. I really don't. Um, I watched it like a month ago. Oh, fair play. <laughs> it's the one where Triple H um it's the one where Triple H and Austin just fight to such exhaustion that they end up knocking each other out and then it just so happens that um I believe it's <clears throat> Triple H falls on top of Austin. Um, and that's when uh, okay. they're both knocked out. Yeah, and uh, this is a callback to where where Devlin um, headbutted uh, Fletcher. Yeah, um, and then the star fell on up. Yeah, um, so it's Devlin kind of instead a, of this time and got a two count. Kind of an interesting callback as well um, that they've kind yeah. of utilised that finish and kind of twisted it throughout. Um, as I say, it's an old style dusty finish. It really goes back to, but the two the two get back up to exchange strikes. Devlin maintains wrist control. Um, he we get a Devlin side suplex for a two count on a deep sitting cover, and the crowd go unglued. Um, yeah, it's it's just really back and forth as we go into the finish here. Um, Devlin, as a go at his finisher pose, what's what's the name of what's the name of the finisher he's setting up with that pose? Any idea what 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 is it that he's setting up? Because he does this kind of two two thumbs down thing, and I can't be bothered to type into the Internet Wrestling Database to find out what the name of that finisher is. <laughs> I'm not sure, to be honest with you. Surprisingly, fair play. Um, so, I don't know what it is. Fair play. Um, Star rolls through his legs, hits product placement for a two count we get Hans Stanson Lariat into a powerbomb backbreaker Star hits the inverted start sharpshooter and Devlin taps out Whew. what a match what a match indeed mm. um, yeah I mean it's just really, really... What, what, what can you say really I mean these guys went back and forth all the while, um, he had David Starr working on that leg mm. as well. Um, throughout the match, um, like you said, in this, in this part of the match, you, you had him take a, do a, a single leg takedown, which made him roll out, which made you knew he was still injured from the match before. And that was prominent throughout the match. And obviously, with the submission at the end, he had to tap because you knew he was injured. Mm. So it told that story that way, and that was really great Tory Stelling for that match. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's 
very often promoters consider a tap out to be a weak finish um, and one that humiliates um, the person who has to do it. Um, but a good way to get somebody over is to get put them in considerable pain um, in your booking for several um, matches beforehand and this was the perfect setting to use the tap out while still keeping Devlin over. The simple fact is um, he took a lot more punishment on that leg than most wrestlers would over the course of that weekend and as a result he came out looking like a million bucks and so did um, so did David Starr of course. Um, Exhausting. Obviously the, I, I'm sure the question is if Devlin was 100% he's his 4 or no. Would he would come out on top instead of David Starr? Yeah, I mean that that sets up that question. It sets up that that future match. I am excited um, to see Devlin come back and potentially challenge David Starr for the title if he does win it from Walter. Um, I would love to see David Starr win it from Walter or Volter, but um, I don't think it's going to happen. Do you know? Even with him being NXT. Mm. Um, I don't think it's going to happen Fair play um, So overall you like the finish Was this the match of the weekend And if not what do you feel was So many matches Rich I know. So many matches uh... I'm, I'm going to have to say the Kylo Riley um, The Kylo Riley oh, Chris Ridgeway match From night one that for me, pure wrestling, absolutely fantastic. Jay? Travis Banks, David Starr. Travis Banks, David Starr. Whew. I would say that was. Was the that best night match. two, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, well, you can listen to both of those in our archive. Um, you can find our archive where you have found this podcast, of course, if your friends need to know exactly where it is that they can hear about this we are of course at anchor.fm forward slash um, jfabe we're also wherever great podcasts are found what do you feel was the best overall night of the weekend jay if you had to say which was the night uh, where you really had the, the most best, the best night i would say would be night one in terms of wrestling hmm? But night three, in terms of crowd involvement, yeah, I mean, how loud everyone got. Everyone was really into it towards the end. Um, so when it comes to pure bell-to-bell variety in ring ability, have you seen a better sixteen-man elimination format tournament? Never, never, no, never. Hmm. Perhaps all over King of the Ring. Yeah, fair play. Any of them. <laughs> just any of them um yeah just any of them for me i i can't can't disagree with that i mean yeah it's a long watch but you know you can break it up into the three nights and yeah i'll be i'll be looking forward to super strong style 16 next year and i think it will be a really good show it's been of course a long series of shows for us do you have any closing thoughts on this before i take this home um this was the best wrestling experience I've ever had live. I think I've said this already, but if you've never been to Super Strong Star or 16 before, or even watch Progress, go to one of their shows. Go to Super Strong Star 16 next year and just experience the whole thing. 
because you will not get a better three-day weekend of wrestling in the entire world, I would say. I don't think I could have said that better myself. Bring it home, Rich. Bring it home. Of course. It's been one of our better podcast shows so far. Absolutely one of the best wrestling events I've ever witnessed. To have been there, to see it with my own eyes would have been wonderful, but that's just fanciful. It's not like we can just go back in time and I can be there with you to see Super Strong Style 16 again. The next time you'll hear podcast will be for Chapter 89, another show I'd love to see. Chapter 89 is at the Electric Ballroom in Camden on May 26th, 1988. Now you're just taunting me, aren't you? (sighs) Fanciful tales of time travel darting around the universe in my Zamboni, and it's not like anyone here can be told about it. No one will believe it if ever I said it, even if she came back to me. My Rita, so beautiful. Forgotten loves, she moved with such grace. Sometimes I just wish I feel if I could shout loud enough, she'd hear my call and we could go and watch the classics again. The Ricky Steamboat Randy Savage classic. Hackenschmidt and Gosh going two hours before the NWA even crowned a new champion. I never saw the third Von Erich Memorial Parade of Champions. Ah, oh, the smells of the Roman amphitheatre stained with the blood of a fresh pin. Of course, back then they used real pins. That's where it got its name from, you know. Not that this means anything to you. Here goes Rich on another non-sequitur. He never loved a woman, you say. I never loved a woman, Jay, because no woman could ever match up to Rita. And I wished I'd have told her I loved her when she was still here. But now it's too late, and she's gone forever. That's it. That's her. That's the sound of her engine. I can't believe it. Oh, she's back and she is more beautiful than ever. She is here. Oh, Rita, you absolute barnstormer. That's her. It's it's Rita, it's my Rita, it's my retardis. Jay, grab your favorite beard wax and 13 pounds sterling. We're going back to 1988 and we are going to paint the town red. We are going to see that show and no one can stop us. The Beard and Bear podcast is going back to 1988 and maybe we won't stop there. Have you ever tried a Luther's trouser press? How about wondering where Bullet Club got its name? That was me. Get ready to do bullet bourbon shots off Kenny Omega's nipples, my friend. When I get to yours, you better have a sandwich ready. Who's that voice? Jay, something's wrong with my retardis. She's spinning out of control. I'm throwing her into emergency mode, so I'm trattering you to follow me. Now be warned, time travel without a retardis will lead to you shitting your pants. <laughs> gotcha now, Rich. I locked the console on your retarders to the last date you went to, and your friends can't help you. I'm gonna kill you. Then, I'm gonna take a chainsaw to your retarders. Undoing all the work you did. Rare, my name's Taz. Alexa, can you order me a chainsaw? There are no results for chainsaw on Amazon Prime. Are you searching for coleslaw? 
God damn it! Make yourself useful. Tap into my time ship's time core and search for time juke DNA pre-1995. Fix on the UK. There are 316 instances of time duke incursions in pre-1995 Britain. Would you like to buy a 10-pack of pogs? Damn it, Alexa. Cross-reference it against the DNA of the time duke known as Rich, aka Bear. There are 315 instances of Time Duke incursions matching the parameters of Rich, aka Bear in pre-1995 Britain. Would you like to buy a subscription to Big Bear Tops magazine on Amazon Blue? People who bought this also bought a 55-liter industrial-sized drum of soluble lube, a perfect gift for Father's Day. Okay, Alexa. Do a pre-1995 search for JFPN in the historical archives. Searching. I have found one historical record of JFPN in the 20th century. In 1991 during the decommissioning of the old Cold War Emergency Broadcast System, BBC Radio Foundation, found an old radio longwave substation in Little Wanjing on Tyne, which it was postulated, had housed a pirate radio station for a brief period between May 8, 1986, and early June 1988. JFPN was stenciled onto a wall amongst other writings, the call sign was also etched on the wooden broadcast desk, on which the long-wave radio transmitter's microphone and mixing desk were kept. The date was discerned due to carbon testing conducted on the etchings, along with an open tin of new coke, it is thought that the occupants had taken a sip of new coke, before leaving without a trace. Anomalies reported suggest whoever drank the coke was so disgusted with the flavor of the carbonated beverage they spat it out in disgust. The British government classified this document at the highest level, due to the DNA tests conducted on the saliva, which indicated extraterrestrial origin. Would you like to buy a box set of season 3 of Star Trek The Next Generation on VHS? <laughs> I had a dog and his name was Enzo. Head for May 8th, 1986. Little wanging on time. Taz, your chronoton drive was substantially damaged by the forced locking of the retardus navigation system. Any trip back in time might lead to a complete collapse of the time core, and may lead to you being trapped. Would you like to buy a navigation array for a 24th century Sultana time ship using Amazon Prime? God damn it, Alexa. I didn't ask you to think. Just jump. Jumping. Heading for May. 1986. Great. Location lock on any Time Duke DNA in the UK at that time. Cannot comply. All known Time Dukes are in Irving, Texas for the 3rd Von Erich Memorial Parade of Champions during this time frame. Alright, go to the location of the Time Duke known as Rich, aka Bear, during that time. There are no known instances of the Time Duke known as Rich on Earth during the Alida time frame. That, that's not possible. Alexa, abort the jump. Cannot comply. As previous warnings stated, you only have a one trip. Would you like me to order you some hairspray? No! Jay, it's me, Rich, aka Bear. I'm contacting you as we spin uncontrollably through the time vortex using my telepathic powers. I have so much I wanted to tell you about my secret identity as a time duke, but I never had the chance. And the thing is, when you see me next, I'm going to change. I need you to be strong, big guy. I'm sorry. 
these dramatic moments always make me so emotional. <sighs> there are two robot duplicates who will be taking our place in 2019. You will wake up in the 1980s. I can't guarantee where or when. First thing you must do is change your pants. It's due to the aforementioned shitting yourself. Then, seek me out. You'll be able to find me if you just look for Jay Fabe.